You're listening to the Substandard Model. Hello and welcome back to the Substandard Model. At long last, we return. We've been on holiday. I'm sure we'll mention where we've been in a coming episode, but not today. Today's episode's a bit of a weird one. There's not the usual factual structure that we usually stick to, but it's still there's still a lot of stuff worth thinking about, from Ocean Gate's Great Implosion to Soviet cover-ups to Grizzly Bears and Joe Rogan, all the way to whether or not probability really truly exists. Does a coin actually have a 50% chance of being heads or tails, or is it a 100% chance of being whatever it will be? Welcome to the substandard model. Um, So we we should probably, um, well, I'm certainly going to theme my facts today around, um, around a piece of news that is hit the silver screen recently that being um ocean themed i'm going to talk about like ocean and like deep ocean stuff you know because yeah it's um, gonna it's gonna definitely involve titanic at some point i think the titanic could come up i'm more interested in the fact that i mean there's a whole conversation to be had about whether we should be sympathetic or whether it was just a really bad idea to lock like five billionaires in a small carbon fiber tic tac with no with no door and throw it down into the bottom of the ocean you see those videos online of people heating up the outside of giant steel containers and then chucking cold water on it and then the pressure difference between the inside and the outside just one bar of air pressure just crushes the whole thing like a like a coca-cola can or whatever you know jesus if you if you open the the hatch on a submarine, the pressure. So like you said before, on, on I think you might have said it on this podcast that one of the things that happens is you get like intact organs floating around because um basically the water floods into them and once the water's flooded, then there's not really any pressure difference anymore, so they're kind of fine. Although the the problem is your blood, so all the organs are basically just sort of chilling out there. And but also once you open the hatch. The water comes in so quickly that you everyone gets sliced in half by the by the jet of water that's coming. Yeah. Your whole body gets sliced in half. Well, what happened to the people? Okay, this is the I can't remember the name of the company. Everyone knows it's big news. Someone went news, down yeah. on a Titanic tour and um, then they lost contact with them and they go, "Uh oh, we got to rescue them. They've got ninety six hours of oxygen," and you know. And then slowly but shortly later. the news comes out and now we know that the reason they they like when they initially went down can't remember whether it was they were coming down or going back up but that they blew up essentially there was some sort of problem with the craft and then it imploded and that means they went from everything's fine we're having a chat to completely 100% utterly dead in about a microsecond which is I, I they mean, don't know they're I, dead like, I've been thinking, of, I've genuinely been thinking about that for a lot of, like, that as a concept is genuinely, it's not, not even terrifying. It's just extremely relaxing. Like, I, what would you, being in yeah. like a small area where at any given second, you could suddenly be dead. You wouldn't know you were dead. Everything would just stop. We should just start executing people that way. Just put them in a pressurized vessel it's really deep and then just really poke lovely. a hole in it. And they're just dead instantly. 
I wonder what the last thing they said was. It's probably some joke. It's not even like, oh no, there's a problem. It's just like, oh, we're going to see the Titanic soon. <laughs> Is it That's the Bifid Dolphin accident? Is that the really famous one? I don't know. I, I, I find out about these things from you. Like, you, yeah, you're my main source of information about like morbid yeah. accidents. It's the Bifid Dolphin accident. It's the semi submersible that they had below a drilling rig. Yeah, and they came up, and it's one of those ones. It's a diving bell, so you it's a live-in place, and you have people. Mm-hmm. It's deep sea diving, and you have people going down and coming back up and something. And one of the people just didn't close the secondary hatch door, and it it said that the person who opened the door, like the airlock, was behind him or something, and he just exploded all over the room. Like there were pieces of him, like in other rooms, because he'd exploded outwardly in through both doors on either side of this, like. Uh, junction in this place right right like he just (laughs) it's like it's like the most gruesome it's the most gruesome way to die because like it becomes so gruesome that it stops being a person like you just get turned into like various components of stuff right like you can't put any of it back together i think part of the gruesomeness like hung drawn and quartered is gruesome because it's like it's you can still look at the thing that is the person who's being executed and go, that's a person, right? Right. We've cut him, but we've cut his arm off. So there's still an arm. I go, that's an arm. And there's a person, right? Who's no longer got an arm. That's horrible and gruesome, right? But with these kind of like pressure related implosions and bifid dolphin accidents, it just becomes a thin veneer on all the walls. It's just a red mist of person. You've really got to the heart of what's so scary about a submarine, I think. Because in space, in space, if you break the break the seal, it's very cold for a bit, and your face will like crack, and you'll have no oxygen. But under the water, it's just a completely different ball game of annihilation. The normal procedure is to close the diving bell door, slightly increase the pressure, close the secondary door, slowly depressurize the gap between the two doors, open the clamp, and then you go inside. Right. Right. Um. Oh, yeah. The first two steps, which was close the door, slightly increase the pressure, right? They'd been done correctly. But but for an unknown reason, one of the guys opened the clamp, keeping the trunk. So he basically opened the the clamp that you're supposed to open after you close the secondary door. um, Yeah. Before the other guy could close the door firmly. And then it explosively decompressed. And it it was a nine atmosphere decompression. So, shit. Apparently, air rushed out of the chamber with such tremendous force that it jammed the interior dr- trunk door, pushed the entire diving bell away from the 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 the, the craft. Um, all four drivers were killed. Nice. Jesus. Nice. There you go. Medical investigations were carried out on the remains of the four drivers. Most notable finding was the presence of large amounts of fat in large arteries and veins in the cardiac chambers, as well as intervascular fat in organs, especially the liver. Weird. Jesus. It said this precipitated from the blood in situ. So basically it was such an explosive decomposition that their blood precipitated fat in that instant as they died. Their blood just exploded. The blood of the three divers left intact in the chambers likely boiled instantly, stopping their circulation. The fourth diver was dismembered and mutilated by the blast of 
the blast forcing him out through the partially blocked doorway and would have died instantly. I mean, your, your blood is the problem. Like, li- li- liquids, the only thing that changes at depth fundamentally is, like, the amount of stuff that's dissolved and stuff, be it gases or, like, lipids or molecules. Like, that's why you get decompression sickness. It's just nitrogen comes out of your blood. When you're, if you were just, if we were just solidly made of water like a fish, we'd be fine. But we have, um, we have problematic gases trapped inside us. Yeah, all that breathing just, shit. All that breathe, yeah, they just fuck us up. Like we're not that far from being able to withstand pressure. Uh-huh. We're just, you know, there's a slight quirk of our physiology means that we become wallpaper. Nice. Yeah. There was this one submarine test that the Soviets were doing with one of their nuclear subs. They were doing, it was a test. It was like a military test, a naval test. And they had one of the torpedoes blew up. They were under the water doing the test and they were testing firing torpedoes or something. And it blew up while it was still in the torpedo housing because they had like some sort of loose... Because torpedoes have got like a trigger mechanism, right? So it's supposed right. to blow up on impact. It like bumps into something and then it explodes. But they'd had like some trigger mechanism that got set off by something internally. So they'd had it in the housing and it blew up the front of the ship. And then all the pressure runs in. And like the first 11 submarines are generally like segregated into little compartments. Mm-hmm. So they can like seal off each compartment. But like the, it's like 15 compartments long because nuclear submarines are huge. They're like yeah. swimming buildings, basically. They're giant. You think that they look small in pictures and you go to see them and you see pictures standing on top of a nuclear of people standing on top of a nuclear submarine and you're like, damn, that thing's giant. Anyway, so like <laughs> a bunch of people die because the first eleven compartments instantly just get flooded. Um and then there are people hiding in the pitch black darkness of like the thirteenth compartment for like three days alone. Um and then they die because they run out of oxygen and then they find the ship and then the Soviets go. That just didn't happen. Never happened. <laughs> Never happened. Never. That submarine's that gone submarine. in storage. That's where it's gone. Yeah, I know we just built it. It's in storage now anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I like that there's no limit to... I don't know. There are things that you say, wow, that's a lot of force. And then there are things that you say, well, it's really not very much force, right? And there's a limit to how little force you can have, which is zero force, right? Zero newtons, right? right. But then you hear stories like this, where they just keep applying force, and there's no limit to how high that can go. <laughs> so it's just like, the door was closed. There was a tiny hole in the door, and there was a human on the other side of the door, right? Right, And then through the situation, such force was applied to the human that he was pushed through the tiny hole. Do you know what I mean? Like it redefines what a solid object is because of how much force you've brought into the equation, right? Right. I don't know. That stuff to me is like mad. Slaps them up. Yeah. It's like that stuff about like brown bears can just sort of smack you on the head and you're dead. (laughs) Is that that a well-known fact? No. Okay. To grizzly bears. Right. They can they can slap you on your cheek from one inch away from your head, right? And right. it will break your neck. <laughs> what? Sorry, what what kind of fact is this? Like, what? Because they can provide so much force that they just yeah, they're just their muscle, their chest muscle, and whatever. They can just sort of slap you from really, really close to you, like with no wind up, just sort of blah, and you're just your neck breaks. Bears are fucking scary. I will, I will, I will give you that. I do not want to be attacked by a bear. 
Oh no. Do you know what we turned into? Oh no. Oh no. You're going to edit most of this out. We can't be one of those podcasts that just talks about like. Joe Rogan. Oh. <laughs> no. No. It's really Joe Rogan, isn't it? He's really into like. Bro, Exploding you know people. That, like a chimpanzee could just be there so strong they can tear you apart. It's like, no, yeah. no. That's really interesting. But to be fair, Joe Rogan gets mad listeners. So maybe maybe if you're a little bit more like Joe Rogan. I, I, I mean, I'm betting five quid that by the end of the end of the decade, we're going to have another sub going down to find the wreckage of the sub that went down to find the Titanic. And it's an endless cycle of billionaires visiting the wreckage of submarines. Oh, but it's so enticing. It, isn't it, is it not cool? Okay, everyone. Okay, this is the thing I understand least because I know that Titanic is cool and Kate Winslet is hot and all that, right? That, that I understand that. I understand that. But a lot, it's very covered in algae. So a lot of it doesn't actually look that different from like the rocks around it. Like it's recognizably a ship, but they went down there for like a maybe a 30 second period where they get to say, oh, there it is. Isn't that cool? And like it's through like so much glass and there's no, they'll, there won't really be fish there. It'll just be so like mush. It'll just be so much. Maybe it'll be completely life changing and amazing, but I, I don't. I don't think that's a good reason to go down in this. Up. Like there yeah, are, there are theoretically much, much less. Dude, than that. oh no, there like, is how, definitely. How actually deep the Titanic was? The Britannic's really no, cool. That wreck. It's not normal. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The Britannic's really cool. It's basically it's the same. It's a sister ship of the Titanic. It went down in World War One. It was a hospital ship. Um, right. It's in much more shallow water, so you can actually free, you can dive down to it, um, and it's on its side, and it's it's not broken oh. in half, and that's quite cool to look at. But the thing about the Titanic is because of the way that animals eat stuff down there, everything about all the people, all the, that's why you don't see skeletons of people in Titanic because it's all been eaten, all the calcium's yeah. been leached, yeah, yeah. everything's gone, right? Apart from the leather shoes. Because they've they've put stuff in the shoes that stops the shoes being eating. I don't know the leather shine or whatever, right? And so what you find is just leather shoes, just two pairs of shoes, and it's always a pair because they always used to be on people's feet. It's not like you find one shoe and then another shoe really far away. The shoes are always next to each other, oh. and and basically every time you see a pair of shoes, it, it means there used to be a person who died and their body was there until it got eaten away. Everything about it, apart from the shoes, which are just sitting there. So you can see the angle that their feet were when they lay at the bottom of the ocean, three point seven kilometers down. Yeah, maybe that is quite good. Maybe Do you know what I mean? There's, cool. It's something. It's so fairy tale. That is quite cool, actually. I mean, just uh, googling maybe, pictures uh, of shoes, and you just see like the angle at which their feet were when they're in that isolated moment. Not, I mean, they're they're long dead at that point, but yeah. And then there's like the grand staircase and yeah. the, the, the hand railings and the corridors and the doors. And the, you can go into a place and it's like there's a little clock on a mantelpiece over a fireplace. And yes, it's been corroded away, but like you can still see the general outline. Armchairs, deck chairs, bits of deck chair, 3.7 kilometers under the ocean. Just the idea of like a massive shark swimming down a sort of buffet corridor 
like around around the sort of like not what did they, what did they have on the Titanic? Is that the post credit <laughs> scene? Jack's <laughs> just sinking, and some shark just fucking nails him. The reason the Titanic's sort of turning into mush, do you know this? No, not really. There's a bacteria that's eating the iron of the Titanic and it's going to be gone in about 30 years. The whole thing? Yeah. So so that's why they're taking all of these scans and everyone's trying to get to it quickly because oh. it's got a time limit on it. It's not just sitting there. Like, like you have to see it in the next 20, 30 years if you want to see it at all because it's, it's being eaten. Because... Um, there's iron oxidizing bacteria uh, who basically turn, they grow or they, they, they love eating the iron, which is what it's made of, right? It's all iron because it's an old ship. Um, and they basically turn the iron into a dis- like a soluble version of iron oxide. So Shit. basically the reason it's not gone already is because this kind of like energy gaining mechanism is so slow, like it's got no energy to it. So it just yeah. takes them a while to do it, but there's nothing else down there. Like there's no light, there's no sound, there's nothing to eat. So you just eat the Titanic, and it takes you, you hundred years. You, just, you eat the Titanic. Yeah. Oh my you god. Just, eventually, is it just going to be a big pile of shoes? Then is that that is that where we're going with it? <laughs> oh, that's quite funny. It's not funny, <laughs> but it is. It One is. of the biggest fucking wrecks is just a giant pile of shoes four kilometers down in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Here we have our shoe pile. Built all these shoes in Italy and France and America and England. That's all the places we built the shoes. And then we shipped them all to the middle of the Atlantic and sank it. And we yeah, that's the kind of thing. Like, it, it would take a very impressive archaeologist to figure out what happened from, that, from just that. Oh, yeah. That brings me on to, like, you seen that show... This is literally just going to be us chatting. Have you seen that show of, um, what's his name? It's called like Forgotten Ancient Civilization or something. Got that journalist, Mm. dude. Um, And he's a journalist, not a historian, but his life's mission has been to prove that there's an ancient civilization that lived like 11,000 years ago that died out because of a great extinction event and then oh fuck off it's just the twat he's like oh look at all these big triangles yeah i don't like him yeah it's him yeah right and then he's like there's a road in the sea and that must have been because they made a road eleven thousand years ago and then the sea level rose and then ate their road and then they all disappeared It's like, yeah, but it doesn't take a big civilization to make a road. That's literally the responses from archaeologists. The bit that I have with him that I don't like is that he keeps saying that archaeologists are like silencing him or trying to avoid the topic because it somehow is a bad thing for them. Like it, it is an archaeologist's absolute dream to discover that. Oh, like yeah. Why does he think people are against him? Because they've apparently spent so long saying it's not true that if it suddenly was true, then they look like idiots. Right. <laughs> but like that's, that's so like as a physicist i desperately want to find something that proves einstein wrong and gives me a new theory of whatever right right like wouldn't it be great if we found because newton's already been proven wrong but like if we just found the hidden variables of, of quantum mechanics or whatever right like finding something that proves old scientists the old greats wrong 
is like extremely exciting and enticing. So to say that they're not interested in finding an ancient civilization is just wrong. You don't, you want, the way you get remembered as a scientist is by like upheaving the status quo, which you don't do by telling all the radical theorists that they're wrong unless they're just wrong. Yeah. And it's called Ancient Apocalypse by Graham Hancock. That's a twat name. But, um, The first like scene of his show is like I'm quite a controversial figure. Immediately you're like red flag. Yeah, I'm not really a historian, but I'm just saying there's a possibility that uh, you guys are all wrong. Well, yes, it doesn't make your opinion valuable. We should listen to him because we might be wrong. It's the same thing as saying like, like every possible unconsidered theory in science, right? that like mm-hmm. isn't the one that we think is most likely should be really considered and important. It's not valuable because it's not being considered. Also, he said it was a global civilization. I just don't think there's enough. I don't know, man. It's very easy, very easy to have coincidences. Oh yeah. Let's talk about good coincidences. I'm fact, doing then. stats at the moment with physics, just right. to make sure everyone knows how to do it. It's all to like, a little bit further than further stats for next year's like statistical mechanics. I'm I'm sure it will become valuable at some point, but I hate learning it. But once you've learned it, super useful because Mm. humans, their statistics and probability is so unintuitive to us for some reason, like counting, love it. Right. Like, I don't know, like various other things that we like just find intuitive visualizing what counting means. For example, like if I say I have one apple, yeah, no, so I have two apples. You know what I mean? You can visualize both of those situations as intuitive. Right, right. There's no yeah. confusion there. But when people bump into someone that they know in a big city on the tube, they go, oh, small world. And it's like, if you run the numbers, <laughs> like the number of people that you bump into that you don't know and the number of people that you bump into that you do know, and then you go, okay, well, there's 9 million people in London, right? And I know 50 people or whatever, right? Uh-huh. You do 50 over 9 million, and then you say, okay, that's the percentage chance, and then you you count every person you walk past, right? And then you run mm-hmm. the percentage chance on it. It's like, yeah, it comes out to be one in every, like, you know, five weeks or something, you bump into someone you know. Like, it's exactly the statistical probability. There's nothing interesting about that coincidence or weirdness. But everyone's like, oh, you know who I saw today? As if it's like a weird thing. If we were different, we would understand that that wasn't a surprise, right? Yeah, like if we were a different species made from silicon that lives on, you know, Jupiter's moon, then 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 we would go, oh, hi. You know, it wouldn't be mentioned. It would be like, I've seen a person <laughs> in the regular number of times that I'm supposed to see them. It's also like, what's the okay. name? Monty Hall problem. Oh, my God. That, that you know what? Most unintuitive fair. thing. It is completely ridiculous. No, it is, it is stupid. But that's because we, we have two different ways that we consider probability. We consider, like, hypothetical probability. And, like, so, like, like the chances, like, we'll, we'll be like, we oh, do the problem first? A, the people know what it is, don't they? Okay, you say the problem. You say the problem. I don't want to assume people know what the problem is. Okay, Sam, you're on a game show. They always yep. choose the weirdest things to put behind the door. I think it's most commonly said that there's go- right, there's three doors. Yep. And the the aim of the game show is to win the car, and the car's behind one of the one of the doors. And I'm your okay. game show host. Behind the other two go- doors are, are goats. There's one goat, 
behind one door, one goat behind another door, and one car behind the last door. And it's a Lamborghini Countach. It's a real nice car, right? Right. I mean, I do okay, love a good so goat. I say, fair. Sam, do you want door number one, number two, or number three? And you go... I, I go um number one. Sam says number one. I say, okay, Sam. Sam says number one. Number two, I open number two. I say, number two's a goat. Do you want to stick or switch with number one or number three? Yes. And if I, the uninitiated Sam um, would say, well, it doesn't matter. I'll stick with one, I guess. But the initiated right. Sam, the initiated Sam says, no, I'd I'll like switch. to switch. I'd like to switch, please. And, and the, the whole crux of the problem is that there's a higher probability of the car being behind the door you didn't pick versus it being behind the door you did pick and that goes into bayes theorem which is like the equations behind this kind of probability right okay like i know it, this it is comes out sound... numerically as a higher probability so it's actually this... there's a two-thirds it, it... chance it's behind the door that you didn't pick and the one-third chance yeah. it's behind the door you did pick solution to the monty hall problem basically um Initially, one third, one third, one third, and then you make a choice, and it's like a yes or no choice. It's like this first door, and then the other two doors, right? So now you've separated it into your choice, and then the other two doors, and the other two doors, their choices, proportionately two of the of the value, right? Right. Um, and the thing is, is you know that the possible combinations for what it could be on the other two doors is either both goats because you first picked the car. Okay. Right. Or it's one goat in a car, right? Yes. Then if they reveal that one of the doors is a goat, then the possible combinations for the other door is going to be car <sighs> or goat. And then if you look at the previous set of cases, you can have <sighs> either goat goat, which is equal, car goat, or goat car. And then if you know the first one's goat, then you've got three sets of examples. And then if you know one of them's goat, then two thirds of the chance is going to be a car as opposed to the one you started with. And even that's like really unintuitive for me. I kind of get that, but there's lots of ways of making it work. Thing is we did that in our seminar in physics. Yeah. And, and it was basically us just inventing new ways to prove that it's half and half. Because we would always start empirically because go, wait a second, guys, slow down. Let's start with three doors. Okay, three doors, right? And it's a one-third <laughs> chance behind each door. Right, right. And then we we get to the end of our explanation and we basically prove to each other that it was half and half chance of being a car. <laughs> and then the professor goes up and he says, Bayes' theorem says this, therefore it's two-thirds. And then we go, okay, and then we leave. Like, <laughs> like humans just don't want to understand it. Yeah. I mean, there are you can construct a lot of problems about about probability that that seem really stupid. There's one about hats, which is like ridiculous. But like, I mean, you can do that thing. What's that other one about? Like, if um, there's a test that works nine out of ten times, and you you test. So there's like, if if there's a disease, and you come up with a test for the disease. And it accurately identifies the disease in like 99% of all cases. If you test a million people and, and you've been um, tested positive for the disease, you might think there's like, oh, there's like a nine, 10 chance that, that, I, that I have it because it's a really accurate test. Mm -hmm. Actually, no, there's like a one in a million chance that you have it because you've got to take into account false 
false negative, false positives as well. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the, that's like the classic way to explain it. But there's a lot of unintuitive probability shit out there. I think, but to be fair, I do fall for it. You know, you know the effects that where like you hear something said or like the, a word for the first time or like something mentioned, yeah. and then the next the next like week of your life that thing just becomes it always everywhere. Pops up. Yeah, like I I still fall for that now. I'm and, and the, the, what, what that's become now. So that's like a, a proper phenomenon where like oh like I'll talk have a conversation about beavers. And then I'll notice beavers being talked about like 12 times the the next day. And I'm like, this is insane. What that's become now, it's just like, like my mom would be like, oh, oh, I was just talking about the lawnmower. And now there's like a lawnmower advert on TV. (laughs) They're listening. That's what everyone says now, because they're assuming that AI is listening to every conversation we say through our Cortanas. But like. No, it's the same fucking phenomenon as it always was. They're not fucking listening. Well, yeah, but what was the other thing? So someone talking about attention spans and how people today are so sucked into their phones. Mm. But I don't think there's been any real epigenetic change because of the introduction of technology. I just think that think that people previously had the same addiction to these things and just didn't have access to them. But you do see like like weird past examples not that i can give any right now where people are like sucked into their phone the thing is probability doesn't have to be intuitive because c- kind of in a way it doesn't really exist like stats is, is a valid field of study i'm not going to diss stats but probability in the sense of predicting the likelihood of future events is one of the most redundant and pointless possible applications of logic we can we, we've ever come up with when you say like this coin has a one in two chance of being heads that's not true like it's what it's got a hundred percent chance of being whatever it's going to be given the current state of the universe there is no ambiguity whatsoever in what that coin is going to be when you toss it it's already been completely determined just like literally everything else the only mm. thing that probability reflects our ability to predict what's going to happen which isn't actually very meaningful. Like the more, if we studied that coin more and more and studied the air conditions more and more, that probability would change. So it's not a fundamental property of the coin. It's a fundamental property of us. And it's kind of made up. So that, that, that's one idea of probability. And the other is just like, is much more useful. And the other one, it basically says, if you threw this coin a million times, roughly half of those times, it would end up being heads or at least it would converge on that like mm-hmm. as an average. And that's that application of probability is practical and it is meaningful. And the, the fact that we keep conflating the two, because we want to think it's about on, it's about the, the first kind, like in our brains, probability acts like that, but in reality, it doesn't act like that. And that discrepancy means that there's a lot of little ways you could exploit it and make these really unintuitive situations like the multi hall problem. Like fundamentally, probability is a mathematical way of describing the way things are. And if if you ran the multi-home problem a million times, it would end up being two thirds and a third. So that's the answer. Because we want to force it into this box of our predictive knowledge about the situation, that that's when it gets sticky. Because we don't feel like we've gained any knowledge when someone opens a door that we didn't pick. But it's not about knowledge. That's not what the question's asking. It's about it's about simulations. It's about like ratios and shit. Thank you. You're fucking welcome. Probability's fun, okay?
You're listening to the Substandard Model.